Amen. Amen. Today we're starting a brand new series. Uh, We are going to be talking about living life to the fullest. Amen. And I'm basically going to be teaching from my uh, last book that I published. So it's going to be fun. Amen. So quickly, hold your Bible. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's Word. And my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. How many of you would like to live life to the fullest by show of hands? Okay, almost everyone. So I'm in the right place. Amen. Living life to the fullest. So we are going to be discussing this for the next month or two. Amen. If we get to finish. Now, the first thing, if you're taking down notes, write this down. The first step to living life to the fullest is to make the Word of God your foundation. The first step to living life to the fullest is to make the Word of God your foundation. Notice I say to make the Word of God your foundation. I didn't say to make religion your foundation. Hallelujah. I didn't say to make church tradition your foundation. I said for you to make the Word of God your foundation. Amen. We have a lot of seats in the front, so if y'all don't have seats, you can come sit in the front. Amen. In the bishop corner. (laughs) Hallelujah. So you are to make the Word of God your foundation. Now, this is a decision you have to embark or you have to make before you even embark on this Christian journey. If you're taking down notes, without the foundation of the Word, everything else we do becomes immaterial. Mark chapter number 4 from verse 1. Mark chapter number 4 from verse 1. Man, it's going to be awesome. I can feel it. It says in Mark chapter number 4, verse 1, if you have it, say, I have it. We'll wait for you. All right, there we have it. And again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, speaking of Jesus, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them, saying many things by parables, Say And he said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower, someone say a sower, sower. went out to sow. What do sowers do? Sowers sow. Someone shout, I am a sower. sower. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside. Someone say wayside. Wayside. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell amongst the thorns. The thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seeds fell on good ground. Someone shout, I am good ground. And yielded crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He who has ears, let him hear. 
Alright? Jesus in this particular parable was not teaching a farming lesson. How do we know that? Because we kept reading. Amen? In verse 13, and he said unto them, Do you understand this parable? He asked them a question. And, he, and they, you know, it was probably a question that didn't need an answer. He went on to say, If you don't understand this parable, how then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the what? I did not hear that. The sower sows the what? I did not hear that. What did the sower sow? Amen. So Jesus is saying, if you don't understand the principle of sowing God's word in your heart, you will not understand all of the other things that have to do with the kingdom of God. In other words, if you do not understand how important and how foundational God's word is in your life, you can forget everything else in the kingdom. So, understanding the principle of the sower sowing the word gives you a key that unlocks all the other kingdom mysteries in the word of God. Amen? Now, this is powerful. It says the sower sows the word. What do we learn from that? We learn that the word of God is a seed. Amen? The word of God is not, uh, you know, is not ink and paper. The word of God is seed. What you are holding in your hands is seed. Amen? Now when you understand this principle, you will realize that the Bible will not do you any good sitting on your coffee table. Just like seed will not do you any good sitting on your coffee table. Amen? Seed will only begin to do you good when you put it where? In the ground. The words of God and the word of God will only produce in your life when you sow it in the ground of your heart. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. Now, this is an awesome truth. You know, uh, growing up, I used to think, uh, you know, the Bible, I could use the Bible as some religious tool, you know, through my religious calisthenics and things like that. In fact, when I got my first job, I used to carry around the Bible everywhere I go, and I thought just having the Bible in the car would chase away all the evil spirits. <laughs> and it would, it would keep me safe. Just keep the Bible in the car and it would keep you safe. Yeah. And let me tell you, the car flipped over four times, and I almost died with the Bible in the car. You know why? Because Jesus' words won't do you any good if you don't plant them in your heart. Amen? I said amen. amen. It's going to be good. So tell your neighbor, neighbor, what problem do you have? Tell them you better go and find some seed and plant those seeds in the ground and your life will overcome those kind of problems. So, for example, if you have financial problems, go into the Word of God and find financial seed. Amen. In fact, I think my next book should be uh, 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 Your Seed, God's Seed Will Meet Every Need. How many of you know that God's seeds in His Word will cover all your life? Amen. Amen. But all you have to do is go and take it and plant it in the garden of your heart. Amen. Man, I used to think it this way. And this was just me. I was crazy. And I know... You know, most of you in here don't think like that because you are mature Christians. I used to think it works like this. I get my sticker card and I go to church and every service I attend, I get a sticker and I go and I put it on my sticker card. And if I attend about eight services, I can go back to God and redeem a blessing. I used to think, man, God, I've been in church. I was serving. Why don't you hook me up with something? No, it doesn't work like that. 
It works this way. Go and find some seed. Oh, I have some financial problems. What does the Word of God... What seed can I get in the Word of God and plant it in my heart? And as you plant it in your heart, it begins to germinate and it will spring forth and produce fruit. What else did Jesus say? He said, and these are the ones... He begins to explain the parable. These are the ones by the wayside where the Word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes when? Immediately. Did you see that? Satan comes immediately and takes that word. Did you see that? And steals that word that was sown in their hearts. If you read in Matthew's rendition of the same scripture, in Matthew chapter number 19 verse 13, it says these are the ones who received the word and did not understand it. And I want to submit to you this morning that the only person that the devil can steal the word from is someone who lacks understanding. That's why the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. It is the foundational thing. And with all you're getting, get understanding. Understand how things work. Hallelujah. See, this is why we don't measure in entertainment in this church. We don't measure in religious gains. We measure in bringing you teaching that brings you understanding. Because it's the only way you're going to overcome. Man, the church wants someone who can just come and wave their hand over their head and all their problems disappear. But it does not work that way. The church would rather have someone who comes and sells some oil, bottled oil, from Israel. <laughs> so every time they feel pain, they can spray it on themselves. No, that's not going to sustain you. What's going to sustain you is to go into the Word when you have pain and say Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, He was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquity, the chastisement of my peace was upon Him, and with His stripes I am healed. And if I am healed, I'm taking healing. Because I understand how it works. Not, man, I'm feeling pain. What's pastor's phone number? Jesus never meant for people to live that way. Get the word, put it in your heart and overcome. And that's all he's saying. He's saying the first class of people, the reason they lost the word was because someone stole the word because they lacked understanding. Amen? So understanding is very key. It is very, 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 very key. Amen? What else did he say? Uh, verse, what are we on? Verse 16. Likewise, these are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves. So they endure for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, notice it didn't say uh, if persecution and tribulation. Did you see that? It says afterwards, when. So what does that mean? That means persecution and tribulation is coming. It says, when persecution and tribulation arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So the second class of people say, Amen, Pastor, I receive that. But they don't develop root, watch this, in themselves. So it is your personal responsibility to develop root in yourself. It is not your life group leader. It is not your assistant pastor, the assistant pastor's job. It is not the pastor's job. It is a personal decision 
Every child of God has to make that I am going to let the word of God develop root in my heart. You know, I've been meeting with a lot of pastors of late. I don't know why. God has been, you know, uh, bringing a lot of young pastors in my way for mentorship and stuff like that. And I've noticed with almost every single one of them, the, the first thing they say to try and probably impress or whatever is that, you know, I've been in the church 50 years. <laughs> or I've been in the church 20 years. Or I've been in the church 15 years. And I'm looking at them. I'm like, dude, if I was you, I wouldn't even say that. Because what have you been doing for 20 years? I mean, with the kind of mess you're in, Man, surely if you planted something in the ground 20 years, you would have ripped something. It only takes one season to rip something. So you surely haven't been planting anything. You've probably been going to church for 20 years. Amen? I said amen. So what you need to do is to make a decision. Hey, listen, I'm going to take these truths and personalize them and let them develop root in my heart. See, when truths of God develop root in your heart, no one can take them away from you. See, like uh, what Brother Tanisha was saying, if you give because, you know, some prophet came in here and preached a sermon about giving and, you know, a goosebump hit you and then you just felt something and you felt like I must just give something, I must give a tithe this month, you know, I must give a tithe this month, you know, you, you don't have root in yourself. But if you give because you have a personal conviction, even when problems come, you will not change your decision. You know why? Because it is not based on circumstances. It is based on a root system that is developed on the inside of you. Hallelujah! See, when you fall sick and you know, in your knower that it is God's will that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers, you cannot be shaken out of that. You cannot be shaken away from that truth. Amen. Amen. When you have challenges and you know it is God's will for you to have perfect peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding. And that he says if you keep your mind fixed on him, he will keep you on perfect peace. You, you are unshakable. Amen. But you know how do you develop this root? You develop this root by meditating on the word of God. And in the coming weeks we are going to be teaching on meditation. Amen. What else did he say? Verse uh, 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So these are the ones that are busy. Amen. Amen. Business, business is not good, man. There was a gentleman called Sadhu Sunda Singh. He was an Indian uh, evangelist uh, from India, an amazing man of God. He, he was an Anglican man. He had seen many people raised from the dead. And uh, at this time, he had been invited to go and preach in North America. So he was supposed to preach in the region of New York and New Jersey. And then he boarded a ship and took about six months to get to Manhattan. And as he was walking down the streets of Manhattan, he had about six months worth of meetings, you know, in New York and uh, New Jersey. As he got to Manhattan, he just walked around the streets of Manhattan for about an hour. And then he went back to the ship. He said, what time is this ship going back to India? I'm going to go back to India. And they asked him, why? Why are you going back to India? There's so much work for you to do here in New York. You know, we want you to come and preach to us. And he said, I I'm not going to waste my time. These people are way too busy. They are way too busy. I'll be wasting my time. I'm just going to put seed in the ground. And guess what? Their business will just choke the word. 
Being busy can choke the word. Hallelujah. You didn't think it was going to be this real, right? Being busy will choke the word. Sometimes you just need to sit down and listen to what God is saying. Particularly you and me because we live in a city that is so busy. So if you're taking down notes, I want you to write this down. I'm going to give you a few things that show you how important God's word in a believer's life. The first thing is that everything, someone say everything. Everything Everything is held together by the word of God. Let's go to Hebrews chapter number 1 verse 3 in the NIV. Hebrews chapter number 1 verse 3. Thank you Jesus. How many of you know that there is no problem with the word of God? In fact, the Bible calls it the perfect law of liberty. It calls it the incorruptible word of God. And if you look in this parable, nothing was wrong with the word. It was the same word that was sown in every ground. It was the same seed. The only problem was the condition of the heart. Amen? If the condition of your heart is not ready to receive the word of God and let it germinate, it does not matter who you are listening to. Hallelujah. Watch what it says. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. Sustaining what? I did not hear that. I did not hear that. Sustaining everything by His what? Everything is sustained by God's powerful word. Everything is sustained by God's powerful word. Your life is sustained by God's powerful word. If you look at our galaxy, for example, you know, I know most scientists believe uh, 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 everything started because of the Big Bang. You know, for us to have uh, about 9.68 gravity pull so that we can uh, rotate around the sun or orbit around the sun, we need the speed of 9.68 square meters per second or square Meters squared per second, yes. Meters squared per second. For us to be sustained at that particular speed, it is the Word of God. Did you know that? You know, a lot of people think it was Big Bang, that boom, and then it started. But I have a question for them. Because there was a gentleman called Joshua, standing in the valley of Agilon. He stopped everything. He was standing and he said, Son, stand still. He didn't know that he was stopping everything in the galaxy that you and I belong to. And he stopped everything. So the question I have for the scientists is, who kick-started it again? <laughs> I'll tell you who did. The very same one we had initiated it in the first place. He's the one who said, now let's carry on. Amen? Amen? And everything orbiting around the sun at that particular speed. Did you know that if we were to move 10 meters close to the sun, we would all fry to death? If we were to move 10 meters away from the sun, we would all fry, freeze to death. But who keeps it rotating and orbiting at that particular angle, at that particular speed? It is the Word of God that sustains all things. Now, if the Word of God can sustain the universe, the galaxy that you and I live in, how much more can it fix your petty problems? Amen? How much more can it fix your rent money? How much more can he fix your ailing body? I mean, if this dude is sustaining the galaxy, can his word give you a job? 
Can His words make you successful in your job? Can His word make you a successful entrepreneur? Sure He can. He's dealing with bigger things. I mean, His Word is holding bigger things in check. And I want to submit to you at this point that God's Word is not void of power. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 4 verse 12, the Word of God is quick. That word quick does not mean fast. It means it's alive. The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword to the dividing asunder of spirit and soul, born and marrow, and it is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God's Word is powerful. God's Word can fix every problem that you have. God's Word is not void of power. We are void of acting on it. Tell your neighbor, God's Word is not void of power. You are just void of acting on it. Did you know that the longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119? Which has over 170 verses. Now let me tell you this, it's going to blow your mind. Every single one of those verses speak to the power of the Word of God. Go and check it out. Every single one of those verses. They use words like law. You know, your law is amazing. It uses words like your precepts. It uses words like your, your concepts. It loses words like your, your, your words. Thy word uh, is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. It says, my favorite one. It says, uh, your word brings understanding to the simple. And the correct translation of that word simple, actually in the original Hebrew, is simpleton. You know what simpleton means? It means stupid. It means your word brings understanding to the stupid. Your words bring understanding to, to the dumb. If you look it up, it says your words bring understanding to the retards. <laughs> hey Amen. That's how powerful the word of God is. The entrance of his word, it brings light. It brings illumination. It brings revelation. It brings a new way of thinking. Amen. There's about a thousand years recorded in history where nothing happened. It's called the, the, dark, the Dark Ages. A thousand years. And I'll tell you why there was the Dark Ages. The reason was simple. They had locked away the Bible in a language that common men could not understand. And they locked it away in the monasteries. And because people had no access to the Bible, watch this, there were no technological advancement for a thousand years. There were no medical uh, discoveries for a thousand years. You know why? Because without access to God's word, there is no progress. Because yeah. it is the word of God that brings illumination. It is the word of God that brings light. It is the word of God that brings revelation. Amen. 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 Without the word, man, there is darkness everywhere. Mm. Hallelujah. Let us go now to Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter number 4. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews chapter number 4. But before we even do that, let's go to Psalm 119 so you can see. Psalm 119 from verse 105. Psalm 119 verse 105. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay, because time is, uh, uh, my time is fast spent, let's go quickly to Hebrews 4 verse 2. 
Chris. Hebrews chapter number 4 verse 2. Still have a lot to teach on. Hebrews chapter number 4 verse 2. Thank you Jesus. Hebrews chapter number 4 verse 2. If you have it, you can say I have it. Watch what it says. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Did you see that? Come on, let's read it together. In fact, give it to me in the King James. King James Bible. Original King James. Okay, let's read it together. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Okay, how many of you at least did grade 7? Just lift your hand. At least grade just lift your hand, please. I want to see. Everyone, almost everyone. We want to try and come up with an equation from this scripture. Henry, please can I have this quickly? We want to try and come up from, with an equation from this scripture. Amen? And I want you to help me. So it said, the same word was preached to both parties, right? But the same word which was preached to both parties did not profit the other party. Why? They didn't add faith to it. Okay, let's come up with an equation. What would be our equation be? What, what, what's our common denominator in both factors? The word. Man, this class is awesome. So this is our first equation. It's the word. And the second one, we say the common one is the word. Okay. So for the first one, when the word was preached to them, it profited them. Why did it profit them? So we can add what? What would be the, on the other side of the equal sign? Oh, man, this class. This is awesome. And on this one, they had the word, but what did they add to it? No faith. Oh, minus faith. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, all right. Negative faith. And what did they get on the other side of the equals? What loss? Loss. All right. Okay. All right. So I have another question. Did the two parties hear the same word? Yes. Could it be possible that the two parties went to the same church? And that the same word was preached? Yes. Could it be possible? Could it be possible that they were sitting right next to each other? Yes. Could it be possible that they belonged to the same life group? Yes. Could it be possible that they were attending an equal amount of conferences in the city? Yes. Could it be possible that they all attended prayer life? So what was the difference? I want to know what the difference was. Did you see that? 
What is faith? Faith is acting on God's word. So, the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, is hearing the word of God does not solve your problems alone. You have to hear God's word and add some faith to it so that you can live a life of profit. Now, pastor, if you're preaching on uh, prosperity, how come not everyone in the church is prosperous? I've just answered you. Amen. You know, you churches, you believe in healing, healing, healing. How come some of your members are sick? I've just answered you. Amen. Because if you don't add faith to your words, what did the apostle James say? He says, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you a dead faith. In other words, a faith that does not produce results. Amen. So child of God, when you hear God's word, you need to resolve in your heart, I am going to act on it. It's as simple as that. I heard it in 2008. That's when I caught the revelation of tithing and offerings. And I've never stopped. And this is two houses later. And I'm not bragging. I'm trying to challenge you. And and I can boldly confess I'll never be broke another day in my life. You know why? Because I choose to commit all my finances to God. It's as simple as that. Hunch your neighbor and say, Oh, this this man that's preaching. Just hunch them and tell them, This man that's preaching. Tell them, tell them his provision is dependent on his giving, not your giving. See, a lot of people think pastors want my tithe. No, I'm also tithing so I can get a harvest. And I'm getting my harvest. See, I always say this to people. Before you even preach it, make sure you leave it. Man, I would be a hypocrite, the worst of all hypocrites, to come here and teach something that I'm not leaving. So I have to leave it first and then come and teach it. Because I've walked in it. Amen. Let's go now to Matthew as we close. Man, that was an awesome equation. Y'all, y'all, y'all are amazing. Matthew chapter number 7 from verse 24 to 29 in the Message Bible. Chris. Matthew 7, 24 to 29 in the Message Bible. So tell your neighbor the process is locate yourself. Find seed in the word of God. Plant it in your heart and act on it. Man, seed time and harvest is working 24-7. What did the scripture say? It says, as long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest. So there's going to be some time element even when you saw God's word in your heart. It says to some 30, to some 60, and to some 100 fold. And if you continue reading in Mark chapter number 4, verse 26, it says, So is the kingdom of God. It is as a man who went out to sow seed and went to sleep and got up the next day and the seed should spring forth and bring forth fruit, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Even the fruit in God's word grows according to time. That's right. Amen. See, I know you don't want time. You want to sow it today. Turn around and come back and take some of that. Fimbi a gudo. Amen. It does not work that way. Amen. When you saw the word of God in your heart, leave it there. 
Leave it to grow. Leave it to germinate. Leave it to produce fruit. And when it produces fruit, it's going to be first 30, then 60, then 100 fold. It's going to be first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Man, I've dealt with so many people and I've made the mistake myself of quickly putting novices. The Bible says don't put novices into your position of leadership. I did it with one person, put them in a novice uh, position of leadership. Uh, within a week, they wanted to be a bishop for the whole city. <laughs> and I told them, I said, man, you're going down the wrong path. You know why? Because you have not invested time in your ministry. And, and I gave them about six months. That you are going, you're going to be so angry at ministry after about six months. And actually, they, they, they outdid me. They did about seven months. By seven months, they did not want to see, hear anything that has to do with ministry. You know why? Because they didn't factor time element into their ministry. Everything with God, even the kingdom of God, works with time. You know, I have a lot of celebrity friends, and some of them just come to me and say, Hey, so uh, T, if I came to your church, would you, would you give me the platform? You know, the whole South Africa knows me. And I'm like, man, you are a baby Christian. What are you going to tell the people? You need to come sit down and be fed and grow up. And once you grow up, then you can start feeding other children. And they get offended and walk away. You know why? Because Christians don't want to factor the time element in learning and growing in the things of God. Amen? Watch what it says, verse 24. These words that I speak to you, this is Jesus speaking. They are not incidental additions to your life. In other words, you don't pick and choose what to obey from God's word. You know, I like this one about healing, but this one about tithing, I, I, don't, li I don't like it when the pastor starts talking about money. You know, I like this one about peace. But this one about submitting to my husband, ah, this one is ancient, this one. It's ancient. Ah, it's in the days of Sarah and Abraham. Yeah, we equal rights. I don't like this one, Pastor. Amen? You don't pick and choose. These are not incidental additions. You don't pick what you want to add. Amen? They are not homeowner improvements to your standards of living. See, a lot of people just use the word as a homeowner improvement. They take that vase from the word and put it there. Just keep it there. No, the word of God is the foundation that your house stands on. Amen? They are foundational words, words to build a life on. In other words, when God says jump, you don't say why. You say how high because you are so ready to jump. And God says, submit. Say, why? Why you want me to submit? I have a better job. You know? Amen? Watch what it says. If you work these words into your life, in other words, if you act on them, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Next verse. Rain poured down. The river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies. Did you see that? 
See, Jesus knows what's going on. See, a lot of people think Jesus is played out and he has no idea what's going on. He knows there are some people who just like to use his words in Bible studies so they can sound deep. (laughs) He knows it. He knows there's a group of people that just like to preach these words and not act on a single one of them. Did you see that? He says, but if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a what? (laughs) See, so you could build a three-story. See, a stupid carpenter could build a a, a tall building. What do they call them? High-risers. You can build it. Jesus is not saying you can't build it. You can build it. But Jesus is saying when. Someone say when. He didn't say if. If you read in the King James Bible, it says when the storm comes. So the storm is coming. So he's not saying you won't have a a nice life on the outside. He's not saying your life won't look like it's beautiful and it's going somewhere. He's saying on the outside, it will look like, man, you got it all together. But as long as the foundation is messed up, there is coming a day when the storm will hit. I told you, in 2008, there was a man who was worth about uh, $16 billion, and he lost most of his wealth and was left with $2 billion and committed suicide. $2 billion. He killed himself. He thought he was poor at $2 billion U.S. dollars. You know why? Because his foundation was in his money. And when the storm hit, not if, when. When the storm came, his high riser could not stand the storm. He was a stupid carpenter. If you don't work them in your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. And it's beautiful at the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came, it collapsed like what? If you don't know what that is when you get home, just build a house with your, with your deck of cards and blow on it. That's how quick a life that is not founded on God's word can be destroyed. It can happen in one week. This is why you need to find your life on God's word. Next verse. When Jesus concluded his address, what happened? The crowd burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. But Jesus was awesome. Next verse. Look at what they were used to. It was apparent that he was what? I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. See, the world is not stupid. The reason why some of us are not effective evangelists in our jobs is because people know you are not leaving a single word that you are trying to preach at them. I know that. I know it. Amen. It was apparent that he was leaving everything he was saying. This is our standard. All of the ministers in this church, this is your standard. Are you leaving it? If you're not leaving it, call me and say, Pastor, you know, I know the schedule is finalized, but for, this six, for the next six months, can you find someone else to preach for me? And we'll be glad to replace you. You know why? Because we don't want you to make a fool of yourself. He was leaving everything. 
quite a contrast to their what? This is what differentiates a kingdom teacher from a religious teacher. A kingdom teacher lives it first. They live in integrity. They walk in the words that they are teaching. A religious teacher will say, I ah, just do what I'm saying. Don't worry about how I'm living. You know, a religious teacher will tell you something like, you know, my private life is my private life. How many of you know that once you stand on this pulpit, you have no private life? We want to know that you are living right. Because we bring our families here, they go to say, Amen, we've committed all our lives to this. You better be living right. You better have your act together. Listen, we're not here to play church. Some of you have put fuel in your cars, you drove here. There better be some seriousness in this. You better be living it, dude. No religion teaches. Hallelujah. And this was the best teaching they had ever heard. About finding a life in the words of Jesus. So today I want to encourage you. Man, as you leave this place, make a decision. My whole life is going to be entrusted to the word of God. Amen.